When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode 33 of the Hockey News on the Dub podcast, brought to you by BetMGM. I'm Carol Stram here with Adam Kurzenblatt, and the draft has come and gone. So this will be our final episode of the season before we go on summer hiatus. So we are going to do our best to uh, make it a good one. We'll have plenty of draft analysis and take a look at how the WHL alums fared when free agency opened on Saturday. Then we'll also finish up with a quick preview of Wednesday's upcoming CHL import draft. So let's get started uh, with the draft itself. Um, Adam, you want to take us through some of the uh, WHL significant numbers? Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, this was a very good year for the WHL in the draft. Uh, we thought we saw 33 players selected uh, throughout the uh, seventh round. So six in the first, uh, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Um, but this was the second consecutive draft that the WHL led the way in terms of first rounders. So we did see seven out of Sweden, but those were throughout the different leagues. So when it's just based off of league alone, the WHL led the way once again. Um, Overall, Seattle led the way with uh, six players selected throughout the seventh round, followed by Brandon, who had two, or Brandon, who had three, and then we had eight other clubs that had multiple uh, players picked. So in total, 18 of the 22 teams had at least one player selected in the draft, um, which is great because you get to see that diversity across the league and show that teams are able to develop these players. It's not just you know one team or two teams that are able to develop across the league, uh, you're seeing this uh, prospect development. Um, and a little cool fact about the draft, there were at least three WHL players selected in each of the rounds with the most being seven in the second. Uh, and then also during the draft, we did have some awards handed out and that was to uh, Jim Nil, who uh, was a former Medicine Hat Tiger who was named the NHL General Manager of the Year. For his work with the Dallas Stars, so congratulations to Jim Nell. Um, now digging into uh, into the draft a little bit, uh, um, as you said, a very good day for the WHL and a very uh, impressive showing for our number one pick. Uh, despite the fact that everybody knew what was coming when uh, when Connor Bedard's name was called, I still feel like uh, people were very very excited to see him put on that Chicago Blackhawks sweater and to uh, hear him talk and get a little bit more of a sense of what Bedard is all about. Uh, yeah. So um, Reg uh, not just a great day for the Chicago Blackhawks, but a great day for the Regina Pats organization as, you know, they held on to Bedard uh, through that draft uh, or through the NHL or WHL trade deadline. And now they get to reap those rewards by saying that, the first overall pick of the 2023 uh, draft belongs to their uh, WHL organization. So congrats to the entire WHL team in Regina. And I guess across the league uh, that Connor Bedard is now a Chicago Blackhawks. So uh, now the real work begins that he, now that he's been drafted, 
Uh, it's going to be really exciting to watch because he gets to face off against uh, Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first game of the season. So I'm sure that they'll schedule somebody will uh, schedule him versus Crosby on the opening faceoff because that just seems like the absolute perfect photo that the NHL can send out there to uh, every single news organization in the world. <laughs> well, the news organization organizations will go find the photos themselves, but uh, I do see your point. The um, it's a, it's a nice, uh, a nice matchup given how much Bedard has talked about his admiration for Crosby and uh, a pretty, uh, pretty smart play by the schedule maker to set that up. It really speaks to, um, again, just how much of an immediate impact the league is expecting Bedard to have. Um, I don't think that Chicago Pittsburgh would necessarily be on the opening night roster if they're not expecting Bedard to be on that, uh, ready to take that opening face off against Crosby. So uh, that's uh, another big vote of confidence for just what a mar marketable player he's going to be going forward. And uh, it's been cool to see him making the rounds in, uh, in Chicago as he's going through development camp and stuff as well. Then the second uh, WHL player that was picked in the first round, uh, you were right. I was wrong. Nate Danielson went top 10. Yes. So ninth overall to the Detroit Red Wings, we have Nate Danielson, uh, Brandon of the Brandon Wee Kings. Um, this feels like that kind of Detroit style of pick. Like he's a really gritty player. He's safe prospect that, you know, is going to hit that second, third line center and plays a two way game. Um, he should be the captain in Brandon in 2023-24. So you have that kind of leadership quality there. And um, we'll be watching to see what uh, how he can continue to develop. There's a lot of talk about whether or not he has the offensive game at the NHL level. We know that um, he's great in the defensive zone and that he can produce. So if he can hit that, you know, 80, 90 points, maybe that will turn some of the perception around whether or not he can produce at the offensive level uh, in, in the scouting community. But I know that there are a lot of people who were a little bit surprised to see uh, Danielson uh, go in the top 10. But in my mind, like it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but this, it feels like he's, he's a type of player that Steve Eiserman would just love just based off of the like player profile and personality and everything like that. I feel like he's almost the anti-Steve Eiserman. that Eiserman was like the offensive guy who had to learn to play D. And so this is like the yin-yang situation where Eiserman's like, I'm going to get a center who's defensively oriented and then uh, he'll already be that guy. And then maybe we can, uh, you know, let the horses loose a little bit as we go. So uh, again, I will, uh, I will eat my, uh, my words here on Danielson as a top 10 pick and accept the fact that I was wrong about that, but, I was not wrong about the fact that Zach Benson was going to fall out of the top 10. He landed at number 13. Yeah. Um, congratulations to the Buffalo Sabres who once again uh, draft a prospect that should have gone higher, but for some reason uh, fell. And uh, Buffalo, uh, uh, I would say, probably has the best prospect pool in the NHL uh, now. And if you look at their, if you include the players that are under 25, it's, it's good times to, to be a Buffalo prospect uh, at the moment. So, yeah, um, Winnipeg Ice uh, winger Zach Benson, he's going to join uh, Matthew uh, Savoy in Buffalo. Uh, so that will be exciting to watch. Um, no surprise, I guess, that he really fell out of top 10 uh, con uh, consideration, considering that he plays wing and that he's a little bit smaller. But 
it's awesome to see that Buffalo said, you know what, we're just going to take the best player available and uh, select him at 13th. I know that uh, Wenatchee, the Wild, who, if he doesn't make the Buffalo Sabres roster, they're super excited. They're already promoting him uh, in their to their season ticket base and on their website. So they're going to have a superstar in their midst in uh, year one of their franchise. So um, I'm excited to see what he can do next season if he is in the WHL, um, and especially because I'll get to actually watch him uh, in live this year in Vancouver because they're now in the uh, U.S. division, so they do come up here uh, during the year and maybe head down to Wenatchee to watch him. But overall, great selection by Buffalo. Um, the NA, A lot of the teams in, who picked before them are going to uh, regret this decision, I feel like, uh, passing on him. Uh, I totally agree that he's going to be a great uh marquee player for Wenatchee as they get started this fall with their new team. And uh, I also am 100% sure that he will be in Wenatchee because the other side, of course, of Buffalo having such a huge deep prospect pool is the fact that um, a player like Benson would have to leapfrog about 15 guys if he was going to make the uh, <laughs> the Sabres roster and there's no option for him to go to the NHLs or to the AHLs. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, predict that that is not going to happen. And he might have uh, you know, a good game or two at, uh, in preseason, but uh, I, 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 I think that the Wenatchee management crew are making the correct call and assuming that he's going to be available for their fans to watch this year. Uh, up next at number 14, our fourth WHL player from the Moose Jaw Warriors, uh, Braden Yeager went to Pittsburgh. Yeah, so this is a uh, perfect fit in my mind because uh, Yeager has said before and after being drafted that he tries to model his game after Crosby. So what better person to learn from than the person that you've tried to model your game after for your entire uh, uh, career. So uh, Pittsburgh doesn't have many high-end center prospects. So he's probably the number one center prospect now in their organization after the draft. Um, A little bit surprising that he went this early, but this selection makes sense. There was a lot of talk about Jaeger to the Penguins before the draft. Like, it just seemed like that was their guy and they weren't going to risk losing him. There were a couple teams that had players like that, but Jaeger and Pittsburgh just, it. there's something about that that just makes a lot of sense. And going into the draft, that was what a lot of the speculation was. Um, And he's going to be back in Moose Jaw next season. So I... Excited to see what him and uh, Jagger uh, Furkus uh, can uh, do together in Moose Jaw when they uh, uh, they're gonna they're gonna have some pretty good seasons. I feel like, uh, and they could definitely be one of the top dynamic duos in the WHL. Yeah, definitely. And uh, you talk about Pittsburgh not having much center depth; they don't have much prospect depth. Period. Um, as they have been trading picks for years, basically across. Um, two regimes, the uh, the Jim Rutherford era and all the way through the Ron Hextall, Brian Burke era. Um, they haven't gotten a single NHL game out of their last three drafts before this one and only four games from the 2019 class. So I had to go all the way back to 2018 to find a center who's still in their system um, and is sort of, you know, I, I won't even say competing with Jaeger because that's a five-year difference in age. Um, but Philip Hollander is still in their organization, has been mostly in the AHL for the past two seasons and did play, I think, a couple games this year with the Penguins and won the year before. So he still is around, but um, that's sort of opposite to what I was saying about uh, 
about the Buffalo situation that uh, Jaeger has a, a wide open freeway with no traffic on it to get himself into the NHL based on uh, where Pittsburgh's depth is sitting right now. Um, and it's interesting that uh, even though, you know, Kyle Dubas is in charge now at Pittsburgh, um, the Penguins did take a WHL player with their first round pick last year as well. That was Owen Pickering from Swift Current. So uh, that continuity of, of WHLness has carried over, despite the fact that there have been some seismic changes in the way that the front office is being run in, uh, in Pittsburgh now. Up next, I noticed that the Calgary Flames uh, just released their camp development camp roster. So uh, your boy from the Vancouver Giants who went at number 16 is apparently now known as Sam Honzek. Uh, yes, this, you know, the Flames really uh, hurt me deep by picking uh, two Vancouver Giants in this draft. Uh, but <laughs> I'm glad that, you know, Samuel Honzik uh, gets this opportunity to be a first rounder and a top 20 pick because I know heading into the draft, there was a lot of talk about where he would land and some people didn't even have him in the first round, which I think is uh, was a little bit crazy because just watching him all year, uh, this is a special player in my mind. First ever selection by new GM uh, Craig Conroy. So that was an exciting moment. Um, he does fit Calgary's organizational build because he's one of those bigger guys that's hard to play against but I guess we'll kind of see because that was the uh, Sutter way of building their team you know big guys who could play like a physical game and were hard to check so we'll see what uh, Conroy has in store for the uh, Flames over the next couple of years um, I thought that he was going to go to Detroit at 17 that just based off of the fact that I know Detroit really liked him so Calgary jumps and jumps the line a little bit or didn't trade but jumps on the opportunity to draft him uh at 16th overall he's going to be back in the whl uh next season and if he remains healthy uh he could be one of the league leaders in points next season on a giants team that is going to be um a little bit stronger than it was this year because a lot of their prospects are starting to come up and all these players are getting older so i'm very excited to see what hansa can do with a full whl season uh, and uh, and you mentioned the other Giants player that uh, that Calgary snagged as well. Yes, and that was uh, Jane Lipinski uh, later on in the draft uh, at 112 overall in the uh, fourth round. And a great depth piece. I love Jane Lipinski as a player. Personality-wise, he's fantastic. Uh, I've talked about him on the show before. So uh, Calgary, you know... I, I'm not a huge fan of the Calgary Flames being from uh, Vancouver, but I guess I have a reason to uh, cheer for them over the next uh, 10, 15 years. And I'm relieved to say that he is on the prospect or development camp list as Jaden Lipinski. They haven't changed his name. He hasn't turned into Jay Lipinski or anything crazy <laughs> like that. But the Sam Hansik era has begun, and we're going to have to start trying to get used to that. So uh, thanks, Flames, for uh, putting a curveball in everything that we thought we knew about this prospect. Uh, number six from the uh, first round from the WHL. A uh, friend of the podcast, Tanner Molendyke, and uh, draft combine skills test ace. Uh, goes to number to the Nashville Predators at number 24. Yeah, this was a uh, interesting pick because I know a lot of people thought that Mullendyke had first round potential, but a lot of the mock drafts had him in the second round. Uh, Nashville adds to their massive history of draft, drafting WHL defensemen. Some of the names that we've seen over the last couple of years have been Shea Weber, Dan Hamhute, 
Seth Jones and uh, most recently, recently Luca Prokop. So he's uh, Olandike is definitely joining a organization that knows how to develop a WHL defenseman. So that's exciting to see. Um, this will be the uh, fourth straight year the Predators have drafted a uh, player from the WHL. So we'll see if that continues under Barry Trotz. But David Poyle seems to love his uh, WHL players. That's for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, it is interesting that uh, even though the WHL um, came out on top among CHL teams. Uh, Oliver Bonk was actually the top defenseman selected from the CHL teams coming out of uh, the Ontario League. Um, and he went 22nd a couple of picks before Mollendike. But uh, I was just delighted to see Mollendike get selected in the first round so that he got a chance to get the quality TV time and uh, show off that light green suit that he told us about when he guested on the podcast. I thought he looked distinctive and sharp and uh, was really happy to see him go maybe a little bit higher than uh, than a lot of people would have expected. So I think that bodes very well for, uh, for his innate skill set. I think that uh, Barry Trotz, you know, has some, uh, some needs, wants to define what this team is going to be under, uh, you know, only the second general manager in Nashville Predators history and a guy who still has a ton of history with the Preds and knows what that team is all about. Um, they really went heavy on Western Canadians at the top of the draft too. They also took Matthew Wood at number 15 and then uh, took Kalen Lind in the second round, which seems like a good fit for Nashville as well. Um Barry Trotz in the WHL, it just, you know, he's a Manitoba guy. It all makes sense. I feel like this is uh this is a good a good match in addition to, as you mentioned, all those uh elite WHL defensemen that have uh, have developed through the stars system or the predator system in the uh in the past. Now you wanted to talk about a couple players who maybe fell a little bit more than you were expected. Yes, yeah, so um we'll start off with uh Riley Height of the uh, Prince George Cougars, who went 64th overall to the Minnesota Wild. Um, this was, it's not surprising that he went in the second round, but it's really surprising that he dropped the last pick of the second round. Uh, this was a guy that some people thought was going to be in the first round. Like uh, there were mock drafts that had him in the first round. Um, the Minnesota Wild got a steal in my case here. Uh, Jed Brackett strikes again, uh, the uh, draft guru. Uh, this just seemed like, you know, you're watching the draft go by and you see the names and all of a sudden you're like, well, why hasn't the Riley Height been drafted yet? Like, what's going on? So um, great to see that he ends up in a strong organization by the Minnesota Wild. But I, for the life of me, can't figure out how he how there were 63 players drafted before him in this draft. Uh I think this is just an example of what's been talked about, about the depth of this draft and how there are going to be players that might have been first rounders in other years that have, you know, that end up sliding and will look in five years time. And, and maybe we will say, you know, God, how did Minnesota get Riley Hyde at the end of the second round? That's crazy. But there may also be, you know, a whole bunch of other players that have sort of made stake their claims to the spots that they were chosen at as well. And, you know, position wise, all of that, that does stuff all comes into uh, into effect as well. Um, I was out at Canucks Development Camp on uh, on Sunday and they just have two WHLers in their system. Um, one is uh, Sawyer Minio from the Cam, from, well, he's from Kamloops, but he was from the Seattle Thunderbirds, uh, who they just drafted. And then uh, Ty Young, the goalie from Prince George, was drafted a year ago. 
And uh, so this is my second time having a chance to talk to Tai Young, who uh, was very excited about the season that he had and uh, yeah, especially the opportunity to play playoff games after Tyler Brennan got hurt for the, uh, for the Cougars, even though uh, yeah, that, uh, that playoff series against Seattle I don't think was very fun for him when I asked him if he, uh, if he and Minio have been uh, hanging out he, and if, uh, you know, how well they knew each other. He said that they had never actually met. And even that, you know, towards the end of day one of development camp, they still hadn't spoken yet. He was still kind of carrying a little bit of a grudge about that playoff series. So, uh, you know, memories run deep and emotions could run hot at that age. Um, he also mentioned that the goalies were in town a couple days early for the development camp. So, on uh, on that second draft day on Thursday, he was going through testing and doing some stuff with the Canucks. So he was like busy trying to be a uh, you know young evolving hockey player while sneaking peeks at his phone to find out where his teammates were going to get drafted. And uh, so he said that he was really happy with the positions that uh, that both Riley Height and Cohen Zemer got uh, got drafted at, and uh, was very pleased for uh, for Height landing in Minnesota as a Saskatoon boy that he's going to be very close to home and so that'll be a nice fit for him and uh, thought that Zemer, Zemer was landing in a real cool spot in LA um, so yeah looking at next season as well he's hopeful about what uh, what Prince George is going to be able to do building on uh, on that playoff appearance this year um, they've lost um, Chase Wheatcroft has graduated, but basically every and Tyler Brennan's not going to be back. But for for Young, obviously that's a good thing because uh, he's uh, got a little gleam in his eye when I asked him if he thought that he was going to jump into the starters role this year. So that's something that he's super excited about. Um, so uh, that's my that's my intel on the Cougars. Uh, Sawyer Minio. Um, Admitted uh, that he was not a Canucks fan growing up. He was an Oilers fan growing up in Kamloops. So it's a little bit of an adjustment period for him wearing the orca on his chest and kind of embracing his new team and his new situation. But uh, he did seem still pretty starstruck when I asked him about what it was like being out there on day one of development camp with the Sabines um, and uh, sort of going on from there. So uh uh, you know, Minio is a guy who, again, will be back in Seattle in the fall and probably will have a lot more opportunity ahead of him with uh, guys like Alan and Korczynski and Prokop all graduated and moving on to the next level. Um, now, you had a, a defenseman as well uh, designated as the second baller that you wanted to talk about from the draft. Yes, and this was uh, uh, Luca Cagnoni of the uh, Portland Winterhawks. So he went 123rd overall. So near the, in the fourth round, uh, which was very surprising. Um, he was the 35th ranked player on NHL Central Scouting. And a lot of people had him as a second round pick, but somehow he dropped to the fourth round. Uh, we kind of talked about this when we broke down uh, Cagnoni's game. He's listed at five foot nine 183 pounds so that might have been one of the reasons that teams were a little bit scared of drafting him we know that teams prefer size on the blue line and uh, when you're a smaller defenseman even though he has proven himself to be a very reliable defenseman at both ends of the ice and took over that Portland Winterhawks number one defenseman role this year that may have been a reason that we saw him kind of drop that far in the draft, but great pick by the uh, San Jose Sharks. This is a guy that I definitely see playing NHL uh, games in the future. So to be able to get an NHL defenseman in the fourth round is uh, pretty good for a, in any organization. 
Yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Long road still, especially for a defenseman. But uh, as I've said before, um, I really like Kenyoni's determination as a guy who wasn't selected in the Bantam draft. And uh, that also speaks in my mind to his teachability as well as coachability. So um, I think those are two traits that will hold him in very good stead as he makes, uh, you know, moves on to this next phase of his career. Um, now, you also wanted to mention a couple of, uh, of good value picks. I guess you could say those guys were good value as well if they were taken a lot lower than what you were thinking. But uh, a couple other players later in the draft that uh, that you think could have some potential. Yeah, so we have um, the last pick in the uh, fifth round, and that was uh, Justin uh, Kipke of the Victoria Royals, a left shot defenseman who went 160th to the Arizona Coyotes. Um, he was 107th on NHL Central Scouting, and he didn't really appear in any of the public sphere mock drafts or rankings. So the only one I could find in one was in the McKean's uh, rankings. Listen at six foot four, 194 pounds. He really impressed uh, for the Victoria Royals this season. He led all WHL rookies, a defenseman with eight goals and 33 points, and he's one of these younger guys. So doesn't turn 18 until uh, July 28th. So the Coyotes have plenty of time to develop him uh, in the WHL and through their system as he is one of these younger players that went in the draft. Uh, and then the second guy was taken one pick after that, right? Yes. So uh, Vajtech Port, the uh, first round in the first pick in the sixth round. So 161st overall to the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, Czech-born defender who... Uh, as a rookie, played 48 games between the Red Deer, Rebels, and Edmonton Oil Kings. Um, this is a guy who really started to improve his game as the season went on. So he came over from Europe. It took him a little bit of time to get used to the North American ice. But yeah, he was really impressive with uh, the Oil Kings at the end of the season. A really great playmaker. That's in the offensive zone. So one of the things that um, when you watch his tape is that he's making a lot of like these really good passes or like setting up his opponents in scoring positions. But the reason he didn't rocket up the scoring chance or scoring list is because his teammates just couldn't really finish. And that's what happens when you're on a team that wasn't really strong offensively, you know, Edmonton finished last in the league overall. So I'm excited to see what he can do with, when his teammates start to develop more and start cashing in on his chances. But this was a great pick by the uh, Anaheim Ducks and another player who's has a late birthday. He's not turning 18 until August 3rd. So he joins a Ducks uh, defensive prospect system that probably is near the top of the list and uh, features WHL alumni uh, at this point, uh, Olin Zellweger. Absolutely. Um, and then before we uh, leave this section, Let's touch on the goalie situation. So we ended up seeing three goalies from the dub get drafted. Yeah, so uh, Carson Bjornstrand was the fourth drafted goaltender despite being uh, the number one ranked North American uh, goalie on NHL Central Scoutings for the North Americans. Um, this just feels like one of those cases where the goalies were really close in evaluation and it was who do you want to take type uh, situation. So that... The fact that he went fourth isn't super surprising because all the goalies just seem to have gone really close together in the second round. So it might just be an evaluation from whatever team likes whichever player. And um, that's not uh, that's not not normal like that. We see that often, especially when there's no goaltender like Kosa was a 
where he's just kind of ahead of everybody else. And then there's a gap when everybody's really close. This is uh, very common. And then the other two goalies, we saw both Seattle goaltenders taken in uh, Scott Ratzleff, who went uh, to the, uh, sorry, my uh, brain just, uh, he went to the Buffalo Sabres. There we go. In the fifth round, 141st overall. So another Buffalo Sabres uh, fantastic WHL selection. And then great to see Thomas Millage, who went to the Winnipeg Jets, 151st overall. Um, we've been talking about Millage for a while now. It's great to see him finally get rewarded. But um, one of the players who I was surprised to see didn't get selected was uh, Thomas Sukanik, who was ahead of Millage on the NHL uh, Central Scouting. We'll see what happens with him in the future. And then Dylan Ernst uh, out of Kamloops he uh, did not get selected as well. So those are Dylan Ernst will be a name to watch next season. Thomas Sukanik will be a name to watch on the free agent market. Yeah. Um, Sukanik's going to be a really interesting case because uh, he has done almost as much to prove himself as, uh, as Milic has done by the time he uh, went through his multiple drafts. And uh, I feel like he could be a real steal even for an organization to sign him to a, uh, a minor league deal or something at uh, at this stage and start developing him and see what they what they got. He could be one of those real, um, you know, goalies or voodoo. We never really, never really know who's going to hit, but he seems like a guy who still has some big possibilities. Um, now, what was the biggest surprise for you beyond the players that we've already talked about? So for drafted players, that would be uh, Connor Levis, who went 210th overall in the seventh round. So just to put that in perspective, 14 players were drafted after him and then the draft was over, which is really surprising. I know that he is an older player at 18 years old, but he had 67 points in 68 games. He was pretty good in the Memorial Cup, having a point a game at four, uh, one goal, three assists in four games. And I like there were questions about where he would be drafted, but I don't think anybody had him as a seventh round uh, pick so good on Winnipeg to uh, uh, understand the value that was still on the board and uh, select him. Yeah, and he was at the top prospect game too, right? So the fact that he made that group of like the top forty Canadians um, to somehow slide all the way to two ten, I think I, I, I think you're right. I, I don't, I'm not even sure I realized before you brought it up that uh, that he had actually dropped that far. That's that is that does seem odd. So. Uh, you know, good, good, good on Winnipeg for hopefully getting a getting a good one there. Um, and then, who do you think was the, uh, the 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 true steal among players we haven't talked about yet? Well, it's got to be Andrew Crystal for me, 40th overall to the Washington Capitals. Um, how often do you get the chance to draft in the second round? Maybe one of the most skilled players available in this draft. I know that there are questions about his overall skating, but those are things that can be fixed. Like we've seen we've seen prospect after prospect work on their skating over years and develop it to the NHL level. So to for him to drop, if it was just based off of skating was a real misevaluation from teams, because this is a guy 95 points this year on a Kelowna Rockets team that really wasn't that strong offensively only played 54 games, then had six points in seven games at the U U uh, U18s like, Andrew Crystal, I think, has very high potential. Like this is a guy that we could see in the in a top six role in Washington if they 
choose to develop him and keep him in their system uh, up until that point. So this was a real miss by a lot of organizations, I feel like. And just like uh, Riley Height, this could be one that they look back on and say, yeah, we maybe misevaluated uh, this uh, guy and put too much stock into uh, his skating rather than looking at the whole package. Yeah. Well, his size is an issue too, but, and, and I think for him missing top prospects because he was injured was also um, a real scoutable moment that he wasn't able to get out there and show his stuff. So um, there could, there could have been a few factors, but I agree with you that uh, again, stock draft, maybe, you know, you can, you can get real quality in the forties this year, according to what we believe now, uh, we'll check back in five years and find out if we're right or not and not discuss it at all between now and then. <laughs> um, so that basically wraps up our draft coverage. I can't believe the 2023 draft has actually come and gone after all of this uh, analysis and speculation. Uh, it was pretty fun. Great show in Nashville. I think everybody's finally made their way home after those terrible thunderstorms that disrupted all the travels. So uh, uh, on we go to uh, the, the the rest of the year. So uh, very, very quick turnaround to free agency this year, only one day off between day two of the draft and uh, the first day of free agency. And uh, so we did have a bunch of uh, WHL alumni uh, land in new homes, and uh, who was the who was the WHL former player who uh, picked up the biggest contract on Saturday? Yeah, so this was something that I didn't really expect, but uh, Radko Gudis, who was a former Everett Silvertip for one season, he was the we'll call him the winner of uh, the NHL free agency day one from a WHL's perspective. A three-year deal worth four million per season with the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, great on Gudis. He'll be able to maybe a future partner for Olin Zellweger in the future. Uh, that's that's a nice idea. And that's an incredible deal for him. Um, I'm assuming that uh, his playoff showing um, set up the proverbial bidding war to get him to four million a year, because that's actually the highest cap hit of his entire career at 33 years old. I mean, he's a defensive defenseman. You don't usually see teams going out of their way to, uh, you know, they might be happy with multiple years, but they usually don't uh, offer that much money, especially in a year where uh, cap space was at such a premium. He's coming off a three-year deal that was paying him 2.5 million, which was signed in 2020 and made 3.35 on the previous deal before that, before the pandemic. So uh, this is a, a fantastic cash in for Gudis, and I'm actually really happy for him. Um, it's his fifth NHL team, but his first time playing in the Western Conference in the NHL. So this is actually the first time that he'll be back in the Pacific time zone since that year in Everett, which was all the way back in the 2009-10 season. Um, like, my God, like the, the draft guys that we've just been talking about were like four years old when uh, when, when Gudis was playing in Everett. It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around. Uh, who were some of the other uh, top dub alums who signed new free agent deals on, on Saturday and Sunday? So some of the other uh, players that we saw move to uh, new homes included uh, Kelowna Rockets defenseman Luke Shen, who uh, signs a, a three-year deal in Nashville after signing one and two year deals over the last couple seasons. So great to see him get some term uh, on that deal. Spokane native and former uh, chief uh, forward Kyler Yamamoto is returning to his home state and signed a one year deal with the Seattle Kraken and uh, Vancouver Giants forward Milan Lucic is returning to uh, where it all started for him with the Boston Bruins. And uh, this will probably be his last NHL contract. It is a one year deal. And um, as per reports out of Boston, he's going to be wearing that, 
that number 17 that uh, struck terror into uh, teams around the NHL for uh, years in Boston. So kind of a cool full circle moment for uh, Milan Lucic. I wonder if Lucic's return has any um, impact on whether guys like Bergeron and Krejci decide to come back for next year as well. Questions that uh, still remain unanswered at this point. Um, Happy for Yamamoto as well after he got traded out of Edmonton and then bought out by Detroit. Um, By signing with the Kraken, he's now the first Washington State-born player to play for the Kraken which I think is just wonderful from a marketing perspective and should expand the already strong reach and impact of the Kraken fan base um, out further east to Spokane in the, uh, in the eastern part of the state where Kyler is from. So uh, I, th- I feel like he's got a uh, instant fan favorite kind of situation there, although you know he'll have big shoes to fill if he wants to be the next Daniel Sprung, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, from covering uh, Daniel Sprung, um, great guy and then on Yamamoto based off of the online perception I've seen so far people are already wondering when they can get their uh, jerseys fantastic that's great to hear um now we had a couple of uh former dub goalies uh sign a couple of nice extensions this weekend as well yeah so uh the Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights which is gonna be a little it's gonna take a little bit of time to get used to saying that but uh they uh, rewarded Portland Winterhawks goaltender Aiden Hill with a two-year deal that carries a $4.9 million cap hit. So you would assume that he's going to be their starter next season. So great for Hill, uh, who has really earned this. You know, a guy who put in the work, played in the minors, worked his way up, and now becomes the starter in Vegas with a pretty nice uh, uh, cap hit. And then uh, over in Pittsburgh, uh, they re-signed uh, Oil Kings goaltender Tristan Jari. Five-year extension that carries a cap hit of just over $5 million. So gr- uh, great to see some former WHL goaltenders cashing in. Yeah, and talking about Gudis making a good impression in the playoffs, uh, that goes about tenfold for Aiden Hill, who took himself from, uh, you know, basically the, I don't know, fourth, fifth stringer on the uh, on the Golden Knights all the way up to a uh, $4.9 million cap hit. I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with uh with Robin Leonard now and uh, how he works his way back, not only from his hip surgeries, but also from all of the uh, legal and financial trouble that has been swirling around him over the last year. So still goaltending questions in Vegas. Some things never change. That makes me happy. Um, As far as free agency, it seems like the lists have been picked pretty clean at this point. The only real high profile WHL player that I saw who still hasn't been signed is, um, is Matt Dumba. Uh, on, on the 32 Thoughts podcast, Elliot Friedman mentioned that uh, Arizona is in hot pursuit. So we'll see whether or not uh, they're able to land their man. And I guess Bill Guerin in Minnesota was pretty testy when he was asked whether or not he'd be able to find a way to bring Dumba back. And uh, just was very sarcastic in saying that he only had $800,000 in cap space. So he did not think that was going to happen. But I guess with every passing day that Dumba's not under contract, that possibility starts to become a little bit more uh it, it feels like Dumba has you know left Minnesota in the rumor mill a hundred times so it'd be weird if he ended up back there one last time uh all right let's uh leave free agency in the rear view and uh look ahead to the future here this will probably have be already have happened by the time you listen to this podcast um but as we're recording on Tuesday afternoon uh the CHL import draft is set for Wednesday morning July 5th at uh, 8 a.m pacific time 
Yeah, so great opportunity for teams to acquire CHL player rights. Uh, just because a player is drafted doesn't mean they're coming over. It's just basically a rights draft. So um, which players do you want to try to have first dibs on when if they come over uh, to the WHL, OHL, or uh, Q? This year, um, like last year, no Russians or players from Belarus will be uh, selected. Teams can only hold two import uh, player rights at a time. So... Um, it, there is some decision making as well that goes into this. Uh, it is a CHL draft, so Edmonton will have the first overall pick from the or first pick from the WHL, so that will be the third overall pick. And this draft has produced some uh, pretty exciting players. Last year, Samuel Honzik or Sam Honzik, as Calgary decides to call him, was drafted. Leon Dreisaitl came over in 2012, and uh, Nino Niederreiter back in uh, 2009. Yeah, so there, uh, there is a path to becoming an impact NHLer uh, by going through the import draft. I imagine um, Radko Gudis might have gone through that process as well. Uh, yes. So just to tie everything all together. Uh, so that's the uh, CHL import draft. That sort of wraps up our news segment for today. And uh, that basically wraps up our inaugural 2022-2023 season of the Hockey News on the Dub. So uh, thank you very much for listening. It's been a blast to uh, to dig deep into the league on such a uh, historic and exciting year, even even if we weren't able to see a Western League team bring home that Memorial Cup. And uh, thank you so much to you, Adam, for uh, all the work and the expertise that you've brought into uh, into the pod, especially stepping into the expert role uh, as a mid-season replacement and a bit of a trade deadline acquisition, as it were. Um, I really appreciate you uh, stepping up in your new role, and it's been great great working with you. Uh, what was your favorite WHL memory of this year? I mean, there were a ton. You know, you talk about things like the CHL Top Prospects game, actually going to a Memorial Cup and covering that and being able to talk to some of the players. Um, one moment for me that sticks out that was just it was just a fun moment was Hanzik uh, scoring in the last second of the final home game of the season versus the Kelowna Rockets like just the atmosphere in that building after it happened the players reaction it was that that was definitely a moment that I'll uh I'll remember it, it was just it's just so it's just those fun moments you know they might not have a massive impact on the overall um regular season but the WHO is just so fun for those reasons yeah I think for me um the probably the standout moment that I, I wouldn't even say would stick in my mind the most but maybe it's the most significant was the opportunity to see Bedard on the ice live for the first time in that game against the Giants back in November um and then having the chance to see that whole group of 40 top prospects and really get a sense of, of two things. One, how strong the WHL group was compared to the other two leagues and also the crazy spider web of connections between Bedard and so many of those other players on the Western league side. That was really when it became apparent to me that you could pretty much ask anybody in the WHL when they first met Bedard and you'd get a story out of it. Um, and so uh, I really appreciated the it's a small world factor of all that and uh, was even able to take that into a story that I wrote about the uh, the brick tournament, which was going on in Edmonton this week and uh, um, thinking about the 10 year olds that are there right now who are going to be like the next generation of Bedard's and Tanner Mullendykes. And uh, I was very surprised also to learn that uh, Canucks first rounder Tom Wielander actually played 
for the uh, Brick Alberta team in that same year in 2015. He was the only Swedish player to come over. So uh, that's the kind of pedigree that he had, that he was already traveling internationally at 10 years old to come over and play for like the host team at the Brick tournament. So uh, very impressed with Tom Glielander uh, when I got to speak to him a little bit uh, on Sunday. And I'm totally digressing. But nevertheless, it sort of fits into my whole, it's a small world after all in the uh, in the hockey universe. And that's even a nice appropriate reference for 10 year olds. So I like the way that all tied together, right? Um, we've got a little bit of a hiatus coming up now. Um, if for your hockey watching uh, enjoyment, you can watch the Brick Tournament this week. It is being live streamed uh, for, you can watch all the games live for free the whole week on the Brick website. End of this month, we've got uh, the World Junior Summer Showcase and the Helinka Gretzky Cup. So that's uh, some WHL age players will be involved in those two tournaments. And then uh, I'm always blown away by how quickly uh, the beginning of the WHL season comes around. The uh, The first preseason games are September 5th. So that is like two months from today. And we'll be here before, before we know it. So we will be back on the beat to uh, keep you updated on all things WHL. Uh, when the time comes again, uh, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to THN on the dub brought to you by BetMGM on your favorite podcast platform so that you'll get us in your feed when we're back in the fall and know when the show is back on the air. And uh, if you have missed any episodes or any of the others from the Hockey News podcast family, you can always catch up during the offseason at thehockeynews.com slash podcast. Take care, be safe, had an awesome summer, and uh, we will talk to you again soon.